0: Welcome to Dishing Up Nutrition. This show is brought to you by the company I work for, Nutritional Weight and Wellness, and I'm Cassie Wienis, nutrition counselor, nutrition educator, and registered dietitian. And as always, I need to start off the day not only with a good morning to all of our listeners, but also I have to say good morning to my two biggest fans listening back home. So hello to Riley, my five-year-old, and Marissa, my three-year-old. Now before I let you in on today's topic, I want everyone listening to think about this question. Has your doctor indicated that you should be concerned about your blood sugar levels? Or maybe you've already been told that you have prediabetes. Today we're gonna be talking about the topic of diabetes, but not in the usual depressing manner of how it's an epidemic in this country, of how many people with diabetes end up with amputated legs and on kidney dialysis, Instead, we're here to give hope today. We really want to expand on how you can use the power of eating real food to heal, how you can use the power of eating real food, not just to improve your overall health, but the power of eating real food in balance can manage those blood sugars naturally. And before we get any further into today's topic, I need to introduce my co-host, My colleague, my fellow registered dietitian, Tamara Brown, is in studio with me today. Tamara is also a nutrition educator and nutrition counselor for Nutritional Weight and Wellness. She sees clients out of our St. Paul and North Oaks locations. She teaches for us,
2: and she does grocery store tours. She's a busy lady. Welcome, Tamara. Thank you, Cassie. Good morning, We've got an awesome show planned for today on a really important topic. So We sure do. So I I do hope
0: people stay listening. Um, You know, and speaking of those grocery store tours that you do, I just heard sort of through the grapevine that you got a request to come out west, um, way out to Hutchinson, and do a string of these grocery store tours. So tell us a little more about that.
2: Um, yes, I will be going out to Hutchinson to do a, a grocery store tour. And the great thing about the tours is they really provide an avenue to learn more about processed foods, the ingredients in foods, good choices versus right. not so good choices. So I think especially if that's something that interests you, yeah, take a tour with me. Right, because it can be hard to
0: decipher because of all the great marketing on some of the boxes.
2: Absolutely, exactly. What
0: do you believe? So, you know, that's a service that I think a lot of people with pre-diabetes or with actual diabetes could really benefit from. You know, as I mentioned, it can be so confusing because we read on the oatmeal box that it's so good for us and, you know, prevents high cholesterol. Is that the truth or is that good marketing? So these are things that Tamara really helps decipher. Um, and, and when you have prediabetes or diabetes and you really need to have that strict control over your blood
2: sugars, you need to know what the healthy choices are. Exactly. So really during the tour, I really help people take the guesswork out of their grocery shopping efforts. And so by the end of the tour, you will really leave with a great knowledge base of what are the best choices for me, considering where I am in my health today.
0: And having that knowledge really is priceless, especially for somebody with diabetes. And this morning, we want to at least begin shedding some light on, as Tamara put it, the best food choices for someone trying to manage their blood sugars.
2: Exactly, Cassie. And, you know, before the show today, when we were chatting, we thought it would be a very fun, exciting, and enlightening show for today to go through some different meal and snack ideas and have listeners try to guess which is the high sugar choice and which is the balanced choice. Do they get a prize? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) No. Unfortunately not. No. But before we do that, I want to get everyone on the same train of thought. I want everyone to really focus their thoughts for a minute on the category of foods called carbohydrates. So Cassie, when you're teaching a class and you ask the audience, what do you think of when you hear the word carbohydrates? What is the typical response you get? The
0: every time response (laughs) is breads and pasta.
2: Yeah, that is the answer that I always hear too. Always. And yes. I mean it's true. It's true. Yes. Yeah. Bread and pasta, bagels, donuts, cakes, cookies, crackers. They are all carbohydrates, but there is so much more to the category of carbs. Right. And it is
0: I don't know about you, but it's my favorite category because of all of the fruits and vegetables. Fruits and vegetables, you heard me right, everybody listening, fruits and vegetables are carbohydrates. Basically, anything that is readily turned into sugar in your body is a carb. So not only do we count fruits and vegetables, but also the beans, the legumes, wild rice, brown rice, all of these would be delicious and real, not processed, but real carbohydrate choices.
2: So it sounds like the carbohydrate category of foods is really a big category because so many more foods fit into that category. Right. So as you mentioned Cassie, all carbohydrates, even the vegetables, are broken down into glucose or blood sugar in our body.
0: Yes and so really what we're saying here is that if you have diabetes or any issues with blood sugar control, You have to be mindful of what kind of carbohydrates you are choosing. And you have to be mindful of serving sizes of those carbohydrates.
2: Okay. So, Cassie, what do you say we play a little game called guess which is the meal that will balance your blood sugar? Well, that's a great idea. And I'm going to ask Dar if I can get a prize
0: because I think I'm going to know these answers. Okay. Okay.
2: Um, so for you listeners out there that are enjoying breakfast right now, as you listen to today's show, let's talk about breakfast. Let's start with that most important meal of the day. So Cassie and all you listeners out there, I'm going to give you two breakfast choices and I want you to choose which you think is the best choice to control your blood sugar. Got it. Okay. Okay. Okay, let's go. So here are the breakfast options. Two eggs cooked on your stovetop with a nice big handful of spinach and all of that deliciousness cooked in a couple teaspoons of organic butter. Yum. Yummy. Or two cups of cold cereal, a glass of orange juice, and a piece of toast topped with jelly. So I really want, I mean,
0: I know the answer, and we all know I know the answer, but I want everyone listening to think about these choices for a minute. You have eggs, preferably organic eggs, and vegetables cooked in butter. Or you have the typical American fare of cereal, juice, and toast. Now I'll give you a hint if you're having trouble choosing. When I hear cereal, juice, and toast, I immediately think sugar, sugar, and more sugar. So, the breakfast that will balance your blood sugar is the eggs and the spinach cooked in butter.
2: Correct! <laughs> that is the right answer. This is fun. Yeah. Um, did you know that an average breakfast of cold cereal and juice and toast turns into about 28 teaspoons of sugar? Seriously?
0: 28 teaspoons? Ugh. That, that sounds like a lot of cavities. And it obviously would not be good for blood sugar control.
2: No, not at all. Okay, so we've got breakfast down. Now let's think about lunch. All right, Cassie. So, and listeners, here are your choices. You tell me which would balance your blood sugar. First, how about a burger, french fries, and a Coke? Or a large salad with lots of dark leafy greens and other vegetables plus a ground beef patty on top of the greens rather than a fast food burger with a bun. And then a drizzle of an olive oil based dressing. Well, let's think about this. The bun
0: on that fast food burger most likely contains high fructose corn syrup. Mm-hmm. High fructose corn syrup is not our friend when we're trying to control blood sugars. The ketchup, guaranteed, will have high fructose corn syrup at any fast food establishment. The French fries are made from white potatoes. And any of you who heard our guest, Dr. Rob Thompson, on Dishing Up Nutrition back on November 6th, you know that white potatoes are synonymous with sugar. And then the regular Coke is just liquid candy. Yeah. So I guess I'll go with the large salad as being the best choice for blood sugar control.
2: Right mm-hmm. again. Two for two. <laughs> Way to reason that one out, Cassie. Good Thank work. You. So here's a good visual for our listeners today. I want you to imagine sitting down to lunch and spooning 33 teaspoons of sugar into your mouth. Now, do you think that 33 teaspoons of sugar would be good for blood sugar control? Probably not. Well, basically, that is essentially what you are doing when you sit down to a lunch of a burger, french fries, and a soda. You know, with all the carbohydrates in the bun, the high fructose corn syrup in the ketchup, The white potatoes and all of that sugar in the soda very quickly creates about 33 teaspoons of sugar in your bloodstream. And
0: thank you for that, because that's a good visual. And I don't think people really grasp that a burger, fries and Coke would be that much. But when you sit down and visualize spooning 33, it's like a full bowl,
2: full bowl of sugar
0: yeah yeah not good for for good blood sugar control, so it's already time for our first break. You're listening to dishing up nutrition brought to you by nutritional weight and wellness a company providing therapeutic nutrition and support to people with diabetes. Now, if your diabetes is out of control or if someone you love has out-of-control blood sugars, please stay with us. When we come back from break, we have some startling statistics to help motivate you to get yourself on track with a balanced eating plan. And if you want to join our conversation on diabetes today, you can call us here at the studio at 651 641-1071.
1: Dishing Up Nutrition has listeners in San Francisco, Miami, International Falls, and Billings, Montana. Whether you live in the Twin Cities or across the country, nutritional guidance is as close as your phone. Nutritional Weight and Wellness offers phone consultations for people at a distance or too busy for office appointments. Would you like to increase your energy, lower cholesterol, or resolve digestive problems? Here's how phone consultations work. First, complete a health history. Next, discuss your health goals with a nutritionist. Then she creates an eating plan for your biochemistry and lifestyle. You make the time, and Nutritional Weight and Wellness provides the plan and support. Make the call from the privacy of your home or office and get nutrition expertise from the people you trust. For information, call Nutritional Weight and Wellness at 651-699-3438. Outside the Twin Cities, call 888-805-8954, toll free. Or go to weightandwellness.com.
2: Welcome back to Dishing Up Nutrition. I'm Tamara Brown, Registered Dietitian, and I'm here this morning with Cassie Weenis, also Registered Dietitian. If you're just joining us this morning, we are talking about diabetes and how to control blood sugars naturally through food. As Cassie mentioned before break, we want to give any listeners out there who currently are not controlling their blood sugars very well some good motivation today to change your ways. Here are some statistics as reported by the Department of Health and Human Services. Diabetes is the leading cause of new cases of blindness among adults. In fact, approximately 18,000 new cases of blindness each year are attributed to diabetes that is not well controlled. Mm -hmm. Diabetes is the leading cause of kidney failure in this country. If you've ever visited a dialysis clinic or if you've ever known someone on dialysis, quality of life really declines once you reach this point. About 60 to 70% of people with diabetes have mild to severe forms of nervous system damage or what we sometimes refer to as neuropathy. This includes things like impaired sensation or actual pain in the feet of hand or hands, mm-hmm. slow digestion of food in the stomach, carpal tunnel, and erectile dysfunction. And because of this nervous system damage, more than 60 percent of non-traumatic lower limb amputations in this country occur in people with uncontrolled diabetes. Yeah. Yikes. Yeah. That is some scary stuff. And
0: isn't it just all the talk here? It seems you have an article that was front page of the paper here the other day you're going to be talking about later. And I was telling you on my drive in on WCCO, they were talking about peripheral neuropathy and and um you know they had a doctor they were interviewing and they said as we know that the number one cause of peripheral neuropathy when uh-huh. the, you know the nerve endings in your extremities start to go is diabetes and uh-huh. there's just so much so diabetes much. in this country so much so so yeah but we're we're not here to be all gloom and doom we're no. here to say that you can make a difference yes so keep listening cuz we're going to give you more practical ideas on how to do that some Something I wanted to share, something that came to mind right before we went to break. Um, I I got to thinking of when I worked for a chain of clinics here in the Twin Cities. I was hired way back when mainly to do gestational diabetes counseling. Now, this was way before I found nutritional weight and wellness. (laughs) So keep that in mind as I tell this story. This was shortly after college. And because I hadn't found Nutritional Weight and Wellness and I was pretty fresh out of college, I was teaching what I had been taught in school, which was carb counting. And you probably remember learning that, tomorrow. Indeed. I remember telling some of these pregnant ladies that I was seeing for gestational diabetes, I remember telling some of them that refused to give up their fast food drive through I would say, well, go ahead then if, if you're just not going to... You know, get away from that. If that's something you're not willing to give up, eat that fast food, but then stay within this carb allotment, whatever that was Mm -hmm. at the time that I was telling them. But inevitably, the blood sugars of these ladies just skyrocketed after a fast food meal, even when they were meticulous about counting their carbs and not going over.
2: Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I believe it and I've seen it. Through working with diabetic clients. Because the truth is, is that it's really impossible for somebody with diabetes to eat in a way that balances blood sugar levels if your meal is full of white flour, white potatoes, and pure sugar foods like Mm -hmm. regular soda. Mm -hmm. Um, Not to mention the high fructose corn syrup and trans fats in foods like fast foods. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And thinking of fast foods, I was talking to my mom the other day on the phone, and she's telling me that her friend's chiropractor back in North Dakota bought a fast food meal three weeks ago and set it out on the counter at the chiropractic office, and it looks the same today as it did three weeks ago. It has not decomposed a bit.
2: Really? Not at all? And just sitting out at room temperature. And I bet there's not even a single bug on it because they don't want to touch it, right? That is a really scary thought. So we should add that to our list of why not to eat fast food. It never rots and a bug doesn't even want to eat it. (laughs) So besides Um. all of that, you know, it's full of high fructose corn syrup, trans fats, sugar, and it's not real food. It's not real. Not at all. No. So
0: let's get back to this fun little game. And I'm kind of jealous because you keep getting to ding, ding, ding this glass. So I'm going to steal it from you. Okay. Okay. (laughs) And, now it's in front of me, I'm going to ask you about some dinner choices. So, thinking of dinner tonight and thinking of controlling blood sugar, let's say you could have either, oh, two to three cups of pasta topped with a meatless marinara sauce, or you could sit down to some grilled salmon, maybe some roasted asparagus spears on the side, and a half of a small sweet potato, and never forget the butter on top
2: of that sweet potato. Goodness, now that's the best part. Yum. Well, good question. Mm -hmm. I happen to know that two cups of pasta turns into almost 20 teaspoons of sugar. So I'm guessing that the pasta choice is probably not good for blood sugar control. So based on that conclusion, my answer is going to have to be the salmon, asparagus, and sweet potato.
0: Good answer. Good answer. Isn't that family feud? Good answer. Good answer. (laughs) Right. So the salmon, the asparagus, the half of a small sweet potato topped with butter turns to just six teaspoons of sugar. Just a mere six teaspoons of sugar. And that's the perfect amount for most people trying to keep their blood sugar balanced.
2: Excellent. And it sounds delicious. Mm -hmm. So, Cassie, so far we've talked about the three main meals of the day, but we cannot forget the importance of eating snacks. For most everybody, but especially for people with diabetes, it is important to eat about every three hours. So if breakfast falls at around 6.30 in the morning, ideally, we should be stopping for a morning snack at around 9.30 a.m. And if lunch is, say, 12.30, then that afternoon snack should fall around 3.30 p.m.
0: Right. That is key to um, blood sugar balance is not forgetting those snacks. And before we move to our next thought here, we have a caller on the line. Mary, welcome to the show.
1: Hi. Um, my question was that um, I've read that you can, if you take protein with your sugar, that it doesn't spike your blood sugar. Or, and I heard also, like on Dr. Oz, they were saying if you have unsalted pistachios.
0: Okay, right. So you hit on two really good points, that um, protein can help. That blood sugar to not spike so high, but even more important is a healthy fat. So pistachios, as Dr. Oz was saying, and I I didn't see that segment, but I'll take your word for it. Pistachios are a nut, and nuts contain a lot of healthy fats. And I always think of those fats as the piece that really helps to pull that sugar back down and helps to even it out probably even more so than the protein. So very good point. So something that I like to tell my clients, whether they have diabetes or not, is to keep this mantra in your head of, I will never eat a carbohydrate alone. Always add, ideally, a protein and a healthy fat. Does that help? okay. Yeah, thank you for your question. Thank you very much. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Yeah, great, great point. Are exactly. you getting, Are you like my clients? I mean, not a day goes by, and I just think it's cute where somebody comes in and says, "No, Doctor Oz said." Right, <laughs> and Absolutely. I love Doctor Oz too. My kids know it's my favorite show. If I'm going to indulge, I'm going to turn on Doctor uh-huh. Oz. Well, for and a it few sounds minutes.
2: like he was hitting. He was getting on something yeah, exactly, yeah, exactly. Yeah.
0: Even more nutritious would be the almonds or the walnuts versus the pistachios right. in terms of vitamins and minerals. But yeah, a healthy fat. Um, and if you can throw some protein in there, too, never eat a carbohydrate alone, like I mentioned. Excellent advice. Um, boy, I don't know. We, we're we going to have to go to break pretty soon. How much do we want to um, get into our next train of thought here? You know, something I was thinking about when you were talking about the importance of snacks is um, a phone call that I got here a week or so ago from my husband's cousin and long story short, we don't typically talk to this lady other than Christmas. So I thought it was really strange that all of a sudden here she's calling out of the blue. I figured something must be up. Well, I I take the phone call and let's just call her Jane to keep her anonymous. Jane just got home from her doctor appointment where she was told she has gestational diabetes. And now here she is at home. And just frazzled because pretty much all they had done for her was hand her a pamphlet and tell her when you have a meal, you can have four carbs. They're doing this carb counting thing again. And when you have snacks, you know, we were just talking about snacks. When you have snacks, you can have two carbs. And they sent her on her way. And wow. And here she is. Yeah, that was it. And they did set her up to see the dietitian at the hospital, but she couldn't get in for another four days. So she's ah. sitting at home wondering... You know, what is going on, especially as a pregnant woman, you're even more concerned because it's affecting your baby as well. So I was so glad that she called because I was able to catch her before that hospital dietitian got a hold of her. Um, And I I told her, you know, you're probably going to hear something different from the hospital dietitian. But here's what I know. And we talked about kind of what I explained to this caller is that you don't want to just grab a carb. Mm -hmm. You know, they told you have two carbs at a snack, but you never want to just grab a carb. Try to think of the magic number as three. And if you grab a carb, you also want to grab a protein and a healthy fat. And we'll be talking more about some practical examples of some healthy snacks that will balance your blood sugars. But before we do that, it's already time for our next break. You're listening to Dishing Up Nutrition brought to you by Nutritional Weight and Wellness. Here's some food for thought before we go to break. Did you know that one out of three kids in this country are considered overweight? And nearly 3 million kids in America today have impaired fasting blood sugar levels, which basically says they've set themselves up for diabetes. So why is it that young people are developing a disease that not too long ago we considered only a disease of adulthood? you suppose it's related to the foods that kids are eating these days. When we come back, Tamara has some information about a great kids class. If you're concerned about the foods your kids are eating and if you are interested in making a good change, we're going to tell you about a kids class coming up next week that can help you change over the habits of your kids and your family. And if you have questions for us today about diabetes, the number is 651-641-1071.
2: Welcome back to Social of Nutrition. The number of children diagnosed with type 2 diabetes is on the rise. How can we change this statistic? Well, we have an amazing class coming up Monday evening in our Wyzetta office at 6.30 p.m. called Foods to Build Happy Focused Kids. This class is full of tons of practical information about what kinds of foods can create blood sugar issues for children, and ideas about what to replace all those processed snack foods with. Also, the same night, Monday night, in our St. Paul office, we are offering a class called Nutrition for Young Adults. So check out our website, weightandwellness.com, or call our office, 651-699-3438, to sign up. Great classes. Yes, um, I just before we um take a couple
0: more callers, I have to give a shout out to one of our wonderful teachers. She does a great job, good at what she do- great at what she does, Aura Lee. Aura Lee sent me some research that I thought was really interesting and I wanted to read it here online. It's um regarding vitamin D. And it says here's some late breaking news on vitamin D. It comes out of Iran where a study found that drinking yogurt containing extra vitamin D may help individuals with diabetes regulate their blood sugar. So what they did, they had three different groups of people, all were adult diabetics. One group received yogurt drinks twice a day, um... That was just plain old yogurt. The other group had the yogurt drinks twice a day that had extra vitamin D added. And the third group had the yogurt drinks twice a day with extra vitamin D and extra calcium. And after 12 weeks, the investigators found, and this is a quote, a remarkable improvement end quote, in blood sugar levels in the groups that were given the extra vitamin D. Oh, really? And if you're interested in reading more on this, and I'm going to look it up when I get a chance, it says um, the entire study was published online on February 2nd, 2011, so really recent, by the American Journal of Clinical Nutrition. So a Uh well-respected journal as well. So just another reason to know your number. I like yes. to tell my clients we need to know our number when it comes to vitamin D because it's related to so many aspects of our health. So many things. Yeah. And now we know it can help with blood sugar control too. And then one more thing. Um, I was told here right before we came back from break, somebody called in, they didn't want to be online, but they wanted to know the difference between type 1 diabetes and type 2 diabetes. And was there another part to that question? I couldn't hear it with the music going.
1: Yeah, if you could uh, talk about too, then the uh, like dietary differences. Okay,
0: okay. So difference between type one and type two. Um, type one is actually an autoimmune disease where your body has attacked your pancreas. And you step in tomorrow. Sure. If anything, I'm you know if I'm missing something. But with type one diabetes, it's an autoimmune disease where your body has attacked the pancreas, which makes your insulin. And so you now we're at a place where you are not making any insulin at all you absolutely need shots of insulin or yes. a, an insulin pump so there's no ways around that with type 2 diabetes it's you know you have to usually have a genetic predisposition but it's more something that we um ultimately have a choice in, depending on our food choices and our lifestyle choices, you know, is that gene going to get triggered or is it not? And because of, I feel, a lot of the bad eating habits and lack of exercise in this country, we uh-huh. have reached epidemic proportions of type 2 diabetes. So, um, and with type 2 diabetes, there would still be some insulin. Right. You either don't have, you're not producing as much as you were or what you are producing is not working as effectively. So you're in one of those two scenarios. And sometimes you can control that through food alone. We feel that most often we can get you to that point. Um, a lot of the conventional doctors out there feel that you're going to eventually move to medication even with type 2 diabetes, but we don't we don't like to have that train of thought typically. In terms of differences in eating, no matter if you're type 1 or type 2, you want to eat balanced yes. because if you have type 1 where you absolutely need those insulin shots and you figure, well, what the heck, I'll just keep track of my carbs and I'll eat a ton of cake and cookies and breads and pastas if I want to and I'll just dose up my insulin mm-hmm. accordingly, Too much insulin in our body wreaks havoc, and it really can cause accelerated aging from the inside out. So at the end of the day, it's really best to eat in a manner that balances your blood sugars, no matter if you have type 1 or type 2.
2: Yes, less insulin is
0: always better. Exactly. Good way to put it. So we have a caller that's been waiting um, on line one. Hello, Karen. Welcome to Dishing Up Nutrition.
1: Hi, um, I have a question about, now for your lunch example, you said, to include a sweet potato. And I've always had a lot of confusion about sweet potatoes t- because depending on what I'm reading, either sweet potatoes are just another starchy vegetable and should be lumped together with white potatoes or sweet potatoes are better than white potatoes. And And I, I don't know, should I be avoiding sweet potatoes or not? I, I need to know what's the difference between a sweet potato and a white potato and why is it better than a white potato?
0: What
2: a great question. That is a good question.
1: Do you want to take it or sure. want-
2: Go for it. Um, well... I will say that, yes, whether it's a white potato or a sweet potato, it is a starchy vegetable, so that, correctly, is in the same category. But looking at the nutritional comparisons between white potato and sweet potato, there, the sweet potato is more nutrient-dense, which you can tell just by looking at it, because it's orange, so it's full of lots of beta-carotene. And my understanding is that in total carbohydrates between the two, the sweet potato actually will have less of an effect on overall blood sugar than a white potato.
1: So the nutritional value offsets the starchiness.
0: In a way. um, So you kind of got that point. So one point is you're going to get a lot more nutrition from a sweet potato, and the other point is if we were to graph it out, Karen, and, mm-hmm. and show you how high and how fast the white potato spikes your blood sugar versus how high and how fast the sweet potato spikes your blood sugar, the sweet potato is going to be less of a spike. It's going to be a spike, but it's going right. to be less of a spike. Okay. Great question. Thank you for listening. Thank you. You know, it can't. and Karen brings up a great point and something that I like to often say is that it's not that we don't want you to eat the starchy vegetables. Correct. We just want you to be very mindful of the starchy vegetables. We need a little bit several times throughout the day because sugar is what fuels our brain. So we right. can't survive without at least little amounts of sugar, preferably every three hours. But again, being mindful and watching those serving sizes is where it's at. Exactly. Um, Man, (laughs) time just buzzes by, doesn't it? Seriously, two hours, please, somebody. I would love to have this be a two-hour show. Um, You know, I don't know how much I want to get into because we're going to need to go to break. I think we probably should just go to break because then I I have a story to tell when we come back. So if I get into that now, I'll be over. So break three, you're listening to Dishing Up Nutrition, Food for Thought, before we go to those commercials... Did you know that gout has been connected to sugar intake? Now, I'm going to brag about the boss a little bit here because she never brags about herself. She has seen this connection. She's known this connection for decades, and she's been teaching it. But finally, the research is catching up with her. Recent research has found a positive association between high fructose intake—fructose is a form of sugar— We often get it in soda. We get it in other sugary foods. Research has found a positive association between high fructose intake and increased risk of gout, especially in men. Before this, it was unconventional to restrict sugar in men with gout, unless you were seen. Our boss uh-huh. <laughs> or some of us at Nutritional Weight and Wellness but I think now even the conventional nutritionists are gonna start to ch- change their way of teaching in this area so bottom line just another good reason to stay away from the sodas the juices the sugary drinks and stay with us we'll be back after this break welcome
2: back to Dishing Up Nutrition So I don't know if any of you listeners out there saw Thursday's Pioneer Press, but they ran a front-page article all about diabetes. And basically, the article was talking about a recent study which found that diabetes will shorten the lifespan of an average 50-year-old by 6 years. And the really interesting thing was that the study compared that to the lifespan of a smoker who an average 50-year-old would lose about seven years. So, wow. you know, many of us know smoking shortens we lives. We get it, yeah. Exactly. But, you know, how many of us realize how serious and scary a disease diabetes really is and that only one year lasts from diabetes compared to smoking? To smoking. Exactly. That really puts it into perspective. I think so, too. And I mean, not only that, the article was talking about those with diabetes are also more likely to die of cardiovascular disease, cancer, kidney and liver disease. So really scary. Yeah, yeah. You know,
0: and hopefully we're catching a lot of people out there listening today that are going to make some changes so they never go down that road of getting exactly. diabetes. And yet I just want people out there listening that already have diabetes to to be hopeful after they listen to this hour because we're telling you the worst of the worst that's not saying you have to go there if you have diabetes and eat well and balance your blood sugars you're not going to be the one shortening your life by six years you're not going to be the one dying of liver disease or kidney failure so you hold the power yes okay um where are we? What well, What were we talking about? We've had callers and studies and, um, you know, something I wanted to make a comment on that I've been thinking about here this last half hour. So when I was in the clinic setting, you know, all these memories are coming back. When I did that gestational diabetes counseling and And I'm having these ladies come back day after day. And one thing about gestational diabetes is they're really motivated Uh because they're looking after their baby too. So there was that piece that I enjoyed that they were ready to do what I asked them to do, but they weren't getting better. Mm -hmm. The blood sugars were not controlled and many of them would have to move to insulin um, to keep the pregnancy safe. And I was getting really discouraged, but I tend, not to think of myself as a quitter and so before i threw up my hands i went and talked to one of the doctors at the clinic and and just sat down and had this discussion and you know laid my feelings out that you know i went into dietetics because i wanted to help people i knew i needed to be in a service profession and i said to this doctor i am not helping people and i really feel useless because they start out with me but they often end up in your office getting the insulin so what good am i doing and the doctor just nonchalantly looked right back at me and said, well, that's just the natural progression of things. Hmm. You can try diet, but they're going to end up on insulin.
1: Hmm.
0: And I, was, I was just floored. And that was not where I thought the discussion was going to go. And I quickly got out of that job after that. Uh-huh. And, you know, then my ears were perked when people were. We're offering things, and I ended up going into pharmaceutical sales, which was not (laughs) the right thing either, but I'll save that story for another, another day's topic. But I got out of the clinic setting because of that, because I felt useless, and now at Nutritional Weight and Wellness, we get people off of their medications at times that already have diabetes. If we catch them in that stage of pre-diabetes, we can heal that. I am seeing people get better every day. Yes. And that's why I have told my boss, Dar, time and again, this is where I plan to be for the rest of my career because for the first time in my career, I'm seeing people get better, not just with diabetes, but with all different sorts of conditions
2: absolutely and i can relate 100% from my experience yeah. in the diabetes clinic that unfortunately the carb counting conventional diabetes plan doesn't work just plain and simple it doesn't work Mm-mm. and yes the natural progression if you continue on that will be to insulin because right. it doesn't fix the problem right the right yes. the standard diabetic diet exactly. does not it fix simply the does not work mm-hmm. so We know what we do does work. Yes. Um, And you know, your story, Cassie, it reminded me of a book that we like to recommend, Mm -hmm. the story of Diana Schwartzbein and how she came to be so successful in working with diabetic clients.
0: Yes, I love this book. And I was telling you during break, I, I really should read it cover to cover again, because I stumbled across this book even before I found Nutritional Weight and Wellness. And so it's been quite a number of years since I last read it cover to cover. But I want to quote a little bit because her story is a lot like mine, where she just had this moment where she realized, oh my gosh, what what we're doing here is not working. And if you ever get a chance, whether you have diabetes or not, The Schwarzbein Principle by Diana Schwartzbein, and she's a medical doctor, is a great read. So you might want to look for that book either at the library or at the bookstore. I just want to quote a little bit from what she says here in her introduction to this book. She's talking about, in the introduction, about how after she graduated from medical school, she was hired by a pretty prestigious clinic in California that was always thought to be on the cutting edge of diabetes. And she talks here in the introduction how these people, newly diagnosed people with diabetes, then went to the physician to get the insulin. The insulin doses would help bring the patient's blood sugars down, but she says, my patients always complained when my other doctors gave me insulin, I gained weight. You know, now they're in Diana Schwartzbein's office. And Diana Schwartzbein is thinking to herself, well, this makes sense because insulin is a fat-storing hormone. But then she says the patient's weight gain, along with high insulin levels, had caused increased blood pressure. Many had been prescribed drugs to lower the blood pressure, which in some cases made their blood sugars worse. It was a vicious cycle. They injected insulin, but their blood sugar levels did not improve. They gained weight. They required more insulin. They came into my office saying they felt terrible. And then she goes on to say here, and I quote, After listening to their stories, I thought, Oh, my goodness, we are making diabetics worse. And so because she had this light bulb moment, she then started instructing her clients to be very rigorous and detailed and test seven times a day their blood sugar Mm -hmm. and record everything they were eating. And she says when they came back to my office here, I quote, it was clear these patients were monitoring their blood sugar. When they did a finger blood sugar stick in the morning, their blood sugar was normal. Then they ate a perfect American Diabetic Association breakfast, a bowl of shredded wheat, non-fat milk, a banana, and a glass of juice, and watched their blood sugar rise 100 to 200 points. Now, wow. keep in mind, the average person without diabetes, a blood sugar response is between, between 10 and 20. These people are spiking 100 and 200 points after a diabetic, standard diabetic breakfast. Um, So, yeah. So, I mean, it's just it's obvious. And we saw it, too, Cara, Mm -hmm. as you said. And Diana Schwartzbein says, I suddenly recognized that by recommending the American Diabetic Association diet, which is a high carbohydrate diet, we were giving sugar to diabetics. Yes. Isn't that interesting? That is so... When you start to think about it that way.
2: Exactly. And we
0: said it before, all carbohydrates will turn to sugar. Exactly. So, you know, even if it's not shredded wheat in the morning, if you sat down and had three sweet potatoes, that would be too much sugar too. Right. And it's not in balance. It's not in balance. We love that word balance, don't we? We (laughs) We have to say it at least 20 times before the end of an hour. So, yeah, and eating in balance, we're just saying a carbohydrate... A protein and a healthy fat; those three things. Mm -hmm. Never eat a carbohydrate alone. Um, You know, we didn't get a chance too much to talk about some good snack ideas. Do you have a favorite
2: one that you? I do have a a favorite. So one of my personal favorites that is so easy is all natural, nitrate-free deli meat. Spread a little. Cream cheese in the middle there. Either throw a pickle inside of it and roll it up, or you can just do cream cheese inside the deli meat and have some fruit on the side, like half a cup of berries or half an apple. Yep.
0: Protein, carb, fat. Another really easy one before we found the dairy allergies in our house. So if you can do dairy, an easy one is a cheese stick, a small fruit, and a handful of nuts. Perfect. And that's purse friendly. Yes. Bag it yes. anywhere you need to go. Absolutely. Um, oh, I knew that music was coming. Darn it. Well, our hour is up. We do hope you're enlightened after listening to today's show. And remember, you can balance your blood sugars through the power of eating real food, not processed food. Thanks for listening this morning, and be sure to tune in next week to hear Cara and Anna talk about asthma.